Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. So the San Francisco Ferry Building is a staple of my commute. When I'm on my way home, I love watching the building get bigger and bigger as my bus goes down Market Street. And when I'm inside waiting for the ferry, I like to look up at the tall ceilings. It's buildings like this that put San Francisco's waterfront on the National Register of Historic Places. But the future of the waterfront isn't secure. The state estimates the water could rise roughly up to two and a half feet above its current level by 2060, and potentially up to seven feet by the turn of the century, which is extraordinary to think about. San Francisco is considering lifting the ferry building by seven feet to save it from the sea. Today, a conversation with NPR culture correspondent Chloe Veltman about saving San Francisco's ferry building and how we talk about protecting cultural heritage in a warming world. Stay with us. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. In 2016, the National Trust for Historic Preservation put a whole chunk of the city's urban shoreline on this list of the US's most endangered historic places. Chloe Veltman is a culture correspondent for NPR who's based in San Francisco. That stretch is focused on the Embarcadero area and it encompasses all sorts of buildings. 
really it's every historic building along the San Francisco waterfront, including those at Fisherman's Wharf and all the way down to Bayview Hunters Point. The state estimates the water could rise roughly up to two and a half feet above its current level by 2060 and potentially up to seven feet by the turn of the century, which is extraordinary to think about. The, the whole issue of climate change and historic preservation intersects right at the waterfront. Elaine Forbes, she's the executive director of the Port of San Francisco, and so her agency manages a seven and a half mile stretch of the city's bay-facing waterfront. So we know we have a now problem. I would say it's clear by mid-century we need to have had intervention. So she's very much at the centre of trying to figure out what to do about rising sea levels and, of course, the perpetual threat of earthquakes on the waterfront in San Francisco. Forgive me. Let's stroll and talk. Let's take a walk. Why not? It's kind of warm now. It's isn't it? really warm. Well, she took me along the waterfront and showed me some interesting sites. There are a couple of, of areas not far from the ferry building that have already been raised up, actually. And if you look at the height of the deck for the agricultural building compared to the ferry terminal, you can see the story of preparing for climate change right wow. in front of you. It's so interesting. If you look, you'll see the ag building is separated from the ferry building. There's a channel of water around it and it's, it's lower. It's like two or three feet lower than the new raised up ferry gate. It's really unnerving when someone points it out. And I think that's, that's true for a lot of the public in terms of understanding what we're facing and what it looks like on the ground, because it can be sort of conceptually confusing until you see it in the built form. You're like, oh, yeah. it's very obvious what they're facing. Here you also see crumbs. I go there all the time and I never really realized what was going on until she showed me this. Here you also see crumbling infrastructure, yeah. seismic vulnerability, huh. sea level rise risk beautiful historic facility. Yeah. So what's going to do you have a sense? Well, that's so interesting because it it sounds like the city is already taking action. What how are they talking about what to do about the ferry building? Well, they have a whole plan that they're developing and it's a huge plan and it isn't just about the ferry building and it isn't just about historic landmarks, right? But they haven't yet said exactly what they're going to do. They're still in the planning phase, but there's federal funding and there's local tax dollars. For example, in November 2018, voters in San Francisco supported Proposition A, which is a San Francisco bond initiative, and it provided $425 million to upgrade and repair a portion of the seawall. They do need to think about how to physically move some of those historic structures, like, for example, the ferry building. They're also talking about beefing up the emergency response systems. Of course, the seawall is part of that and protecting natural habitats. We're looking at billions of dollars and they are doing a lot of work to engage the community. They've done a lot of community walks, a lot of meetings. People are able to ask questions. This has been going on for a few years now. And the, the city, the Port Authority is saying that this, this feedback is going to help inform its draft plan for saving the city's shoreline. But they're not going to release that plan, they don't think, until early next year, they tell me. How important is it to Elaine that the ferry building be saved along with the rest of the shoreline? You know, we spoke about the ferry building and we focused on the ferry building in part because it is such an iconic structure. And because saving it is potentially going to require 
taking really drastic action. I mean, can you imagine what it might take to raise this massive building with its big clock tower up potentially by seven feet? The ferry building is is one of the city's most important historic facilities. And it's iconic. You really can't imagine uh, a book, a novel, a movie, uh, anything of importance about San Francisco without an image of the ferry building. She does care about it, you know, and, and because they've heard a lot, of, a lot from the community that, uh, that people want that building to be saved, probably because there is a sense of attachment to it. We've heard loud and clear everywhere, it's to be saved. It sounds like Elaine is very invested in making sure the shoreline in San Francisco is protected. And I know you walked around and asked people about how they feel about saving the ferry building in particular. How would you describe the range of thoughts people had about this? I spoke to several people who feel that all of San Francisco is important. I mean, locals who've grown up in the city their entire lives, who, who would like, in a sense, the city not to discriminate, you know, one building versus another building. Would you mind saying your full name for me, please? Uh, yes, I'm Dakari Tillery. Dakari uh, is a security guard at the ferry building. I think he's in his 20s and he grew up in uh, the Western Edition Fillmore neighbourhood. Everything that was kind of meaningful to me growing up has been like tore down or reconstructed or uh, pushed out or whatever the case is. I caught him on a break. He was sitting on a bench looking out at the water behind the ferry building. Even though he doesn't live on the waterfront, he definitely wants the city to think about all the parts of the city. He wants his whole city saved. These are places that people go to every day. People fly from other countries all over the place to come over and see. So that would be a waste of a beautiful city or a beautiful landmark just because we couldn't get it together or whatever the case is. I also spoke with somebody who isn't so interested in specifically seeing the ferry building saved from rising sea levels. Oh, I mean, I think community structures are way more important. because Her name is Sanas Tahernia and she lives in one of the waterfront neighborhoods in San Francisco near the ballpark. I met with her as I was walking across the plaza in front of the ferry building and we stopped to have a quick chat while we were looking up at the clock tower. The ferry building, if you want to rise at seven feet, that's going to save the ferry building. But what's going to happen to the rest of the city? There's people that live all along the water. I mean, the community is what makes San Francisco, not these buildings. One question I feel like this story raises is this question of like what makes something worth saving in the face of climate change. And I feel like that's kind of a big question, Chloe. Yeah, it's a massive question, Erica. And it's one that people in charge of managing what we call cultural heritage spaces have to grapple with. There are ways you go about thinking about this complex problem. It's a sort of a balancing act. And so you can can sort of think of it like a Venn diagram. So one of the circles is what in your community is most meaningful, most culturally significant? That's in one circle. The second circle is what's the most feasible thing? Like what do you actually have the resources to do? That's the second circle. And then the third circle is about the level of risk. How likely is this building or this other piece of cultural heritage going to be underwater? 
So you're thinking about all these things and, and ideally the things that you decide to save need to be in the middle of that Venn diagram, you know. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that, that's one way uh, that a lot of the experts are thinking about this. Things that have to do with heritage are still seen as being sort of a luxury. Marcy Rockman is one of this country's foremost experts on climate change and cultural heritage. There's something that's nice to have, but they're not seen as essential. She feels very strongly that cultural heritage is not just about old buildings with plaques on them, right? Every community has cultural heritage. And it's really important that cities and municipalities that are trying to figure out their way through this problem about what to save and what to let go of, consult locals, talk to communities, listen listen to what they have to say about what really matters to them. So love to see is more support for all communities to help figure out what matters about this place, what is happening to it, what are the parts you most want to carry forward, and then how do we do that? And where heritage is often most vital is where it is lived, lived and used. The story that you did on the ferry building is part of a series from NPR about the threat that climate change poses to cultural heritage sites. Why do you think this is important to talk about? Yeah, it's really important, Erica, because a lot of the conversation, both in politics and the media about climate change, has traditionally focused on the science. But the problem is that data can be really hard for most people to wrap their heads around. And it's only when you have these extreme weather events and then they they threaten the things that we love, our cultural heritage, the things that we hold most dear to us. It it could be, you know, the, the paintings that your kids made at school in your own home. I mean, that can be cultural heritage, right? As well as the local uh, old pub in my my neighborhood uh, growing up in England, you know. It's only when you see terrible fires and floods and other extreme weather impact those things that climate change starts to feel really tangible. Really, my series for NPR uh, is exploring this connection between the things that we value in the world and how those are impacted by the increasing amount of devastating floods wildfires and extreme weather events. Well, Chloe, I really appreciate you sharing your reporting with us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Erica. That was Chloe Veltman, a culture correspondent for NPR who's based in San Francisco. This 23-minute conversation with Chloe was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. Shout out as well to the rest of our podcast team here at KQED. That's Jen Chien, our director of podcasts, Katie Springer, our podcast operations manager, Cesar Saldana, our engagement producer, and Holly Carnan, our chief content officer. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara. Thank you for listening to The Bay. Peace.
I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 